I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. One of the biggest surprise pop-outs of any show I've ever seen. Ever? Well, mostly because I just didn't know who was in this show. (laughs) And of course, you're talking about... Chad Michael Murray. Who else? Tristan, the man himself. Also, One Tree Hill. I mean, come on. Pretty wild place for him to pop up. Absolutely. Um, We are, of course, as you can see, talking about Agent Carter. Yes, indeed. Yeah, first season. Uh, We somehow, you know, not somehow, we never really uh, paid attention to this show when it was on the air. Although that was in our, you know, burgeoning early days of following the MCU. Also, it was on TV. Yeah. On, yeah, it was on Who ABC. Who watches shows on TV? Not us. I'll tell you that. Uh, this was airing, both seasons of this show aired during mid-season breaks of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, kind of its companion show. And I also didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it was on TV. I um, thought you did one Maybe season. a couple episodes. I want to say at the end of the fourth season, I was watching them live. Uh, but that or was at least a, like the next day. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually think there was, because at the time we were living in our apartment, which had cable. And I think there was like one or two episodes that I didn't want to wait to watch. Because we wouldn't have had Hulu or anything at the time either. I was probably like just torrenting them somewhere as soon as they were available. So, or using Project Free TV. But uh, yeah, so despite that, um, Agent Carter did go under my radar. I think there's one Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode that was like very much a crossover that uh, somehow the modern day plot connected back to something yeah, in World say, War II like era. I was going to say in the 70s? So there was... 60s? There was a... Uh, no, it was the, the plot was they had like flashbacks to Peggy and the Howling Commandos like finding some of like Red Skull's like treasure or something and then came back later. But it was very clearly just like an ad for like Hey guys, we had this other show on. If you want to go watch like it? That's like not even a trailer for Agent Carter. No, it's not. But I do think that's when Agent Carter was starting. Whatever that was in the show. But um, so I w- I definitely went into this expecting the same vibes that I got from Agents of Shield, and I do think it hit like a lot of the same beats. But at the same time, Agents of Shield really suffered from getting its footing together in the first season. And also, of course, way too many episodes of Agents of Shield. Right. Yeah, those were like, you know, full network TV seasons. So, what, like 22 episodes per? Yeah, versus eight here. Eight was perfect for this show. Absolutely. Very tight. Um, we, we the get into current it, Marvel shows could take a bookmark out of this. Yeah. Like eight. the pacing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because, you know, people always say that Marvel is not... They don't know how to do TV shows. Marvel Studios doesn't know how to write TV shows. They know how to write movies, and they write a movie and then break it down into six parts. Or nine parts, or however many episodes. But yeah, this is like, you know, right like an actual TV show without the ad breaks, and you're good to go. It did have the ad breaks. I'm saying, for, uh, for them. But yeah, it's it's been a while, I think, since we've like watched a non-comedy show that had ad breaks built in like this, uh, and I did forget what that's like. Like the Americans yeah. will justify. Mm-hmm. You know, hit the dramatic beats, a little music stinger, and then... Poof. Um... Yeah, I thought it was a really well-paced show. Like, the story was 
all encompassing. Um, the stakes were actually the stakes were really high, but like the show met it. Like I was really shocked with how dark the show was and how uh, not afraid of killing off characters they were. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I respected the tone that they took. Like, I don't know any network show besides, well, which isn't even network, Game of Thrones or like The Wire that kill off so many characters in a season. Yeah, considering, yeah, the short runtime here and how relatively few characters there are. Like, we were just talking about Justified, which does have some characters that are killed off. Um, but not that frequent. And then the other comparison would be like the Americans, but they don't kill very many like main characters. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of death in the Americans, but those are also like FX shows. Like this was on ABC. Mm -hmm. You know, stranger things will do that. They introduce a character to kill them. Um, agents of shield. Yeah. Like a network. Agents of shield would do it. They, once they like got into their like later, Later era groove, and but I haven't season one. I haven't watched the uh, the full. I haven't watched the last season of Agents of Shield, so I can't speculate. But no, I mean, season one, there was almost a death an episode of this. Yeah, Agent Carter. Yeah, pretty pretty dark and darker than I expected. I also um, want to acknowledge that this show was unlike Agents of Shield. This was like actually created by. Uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who were writers on a lot of MCU movies, they wrote um, all three of the Captain America movies. So, of course, they were the perfect. So, what you know, were you fits. saying about like they don't know how to write TV? <laughs> I wasn't saying that. You said MCU. Well, they don't have these guys writing the MCU TV shows, do they? I know, but you were saying MCU doesn't know how to write TV, but there are MCU guys that wrote for TV. I'm just saying that the Disney Plus TV shows yes. are not well written. And they don't have them on board doing it, so maybe they should uh, reevaluate their. But the show their got standards. like canceled. Like nobody was watching it. It's like fewer people were watching this than bad. Agents of Shield, and nobody was watching Agents of Shield, and it somehow got seven seasons. It was. I like mean, I'm surprised that this got a second season. Premature. Like if this could come out now, or even like four years ago. Yeah, yeah, they were. This was, like, very, very early. You know, this was, I think, the first season of this premiered before Daredevil did. You know, people weren't fully on board with Marvel series yet. Um, And, you know, I think it... I don't know if it helps or hurt the brand the way that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was approaching their marketing for the show. You know, going all in on being, like, they had their hashtag, it's all connected. Like, they really wanted people... To buy into it as being like like this is how to get over. your fix while you wait for the next movie, right? And I don't I don't know if that was a, I get it because obviously like those movies were and you know still are killing it, so why not like capitalize on that money that you're already making? But if you know someone that potentially could have been interested in watching this show that didn't that wasn't totally caught up on all of their Marvel movies might have scared them off. And bar a few things, this is very accessible to a newcomer. Like you wouldn't really know what Steve Rogers blood is all about, or maybe some of the we things still that they don't really, <laughs> but you wouldn't even know who Steve Rogers is. That's what I'm saying. Oh. This is potentially like, if you just wanted like a fun, like action spy drama. But I also think Captain America is like, even if you haven't watched the Marvel movies, you'd like know who he's supposed to be. For sure. For sure. He's like in the zeitgeist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you could probably figure out Howard Stark as well. 
Which they do a great introduction for him. They really do. In this first episode of the show. I wanted him to be in it more, Dominic Cooper. Um, you know, he was he was there and then he, he dipped out, which yeah. obviously for the plot. But I wonder if he's in the, the second season more as a regular or not. Um, yeah, I, I felt like kind of meh on his character, mm-hmm. mostly because... They just kind of did Tony Stark. Like, I really would have liked to have seen, like, more of a distinction between Howard and Tony. Um, I don't know where that distinction would have been, but, like, they basically had the same character. I like, think womanizer, s- arrogant, likes to invent stuff, problematic selling of arms. Yeah. <laughs> I think they have trouble with, like, the younger Howard Stark because John Slattery's version that we see in the movies, like, the distinction is so clear because yeah. he's at a point that Tony only gets to experience briefly before he dies. It's like he's like older and he like has some regrets about how he's handled things. And yeah. he's like, it's like sobered him up a little bit. Right. But this is like, yeah, he's just Tony. Right. Which is good. I mean, like it's like consistent, like that they are similar, but um, yeah, I like the other um, Howard Stark that we see in some of the other movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like that actor a lot. Um, and this actor's good, but yeah, I was just a little like bored by it. Yeah, it's a little one note. So I, I have no idea if he's um, around in the second season, but maybe he gets fleshed out. I know more. he's in it at least some because I just saw like a, uh, not a clip, but a like a poster or something. No, like a like what's the picture on a clip called? Thumbnail. A thumbnail of him. Gotcha, I know that gotcha. the second season takes place in L.A. I know that, and I also am, like, loath to watch it because I think it ends on a cliffhanger. I think so, too. And I just can't can't handle that. Can't handle that. But I really like the noir detective vibe. Yeah, I mean, I I wanted to talk a lot about the the atmosphere and the setting because, you know, for what we've already talked about, this being, like, an ABC movie, not, like, or ABC show. It's not like ABC doesn't have money, but period pieces are expensive inherently, and given what I imagine was a pretty limited budget, because I'm guessing most of the money had to go to uh, paying Haley Atwell to do the show, uh, they did a really good job. You know, I can't name that many shows, like especially network shows, that choose to be set in this era because you have, you know, all Mad of the Men. environment. But that's but even also FX. AMC. They had, oh. Yeah, but still, you know, they had the money and the, the budget per episode, shorter seasons. But, like, you know, this did a really good job. They had, like, all the cars, the New York streets. The, the big the ties. costuming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> High waist, big ties. Um, yeah, it felt very, like, not too set PC, mm-hmm. even though it was probably all shot, like, mostly on a back lot. Like, it felt very um, simple, but effective. Like, it yeah. didn't distract. Yeah, 100%. Like, it wasn't anything flashy like Mad Men, where it's, like, everything is, like, to a T, but it was done in a way that, like, it was just, like, the backdrop mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. I was pretty impressed with it. I mean, it helps out a lot. Is like, in, like, the office or, like, at a warehouse. Sure. You know, like, they're not... Although there were a lot of scenes on the street, I yeah. will say. Like, more than I thought they would have. Yeah. The but, diner. Uh, I mean, it's the same deal. I'll keep making uh, AOS comparisons because they're, like, you know, birds of a feather. But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, had a really... They had, like, their earlier seasons, they clearly had, like, a lot of budget and... Um, kind of like carte blanche to do what they wanted with it. So we had a lot of CGI villains and 
diverse environments, and then... They also have, like, superpowers. Well, yeah. So there's definitely, like, a lot more to handle. But then seasons five and six, at least, again, I haven't seen seven. Season five, you can really tell that they, you know, blew a hole in their budget. And every season, or every episode that season is just taking place, like, on this spaceship, and it's all just, like, hallways. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, and, yeah, they, they did have all these characters with superpowers that they had to handle, but I was like, it's a... And they were still doing, like, you know, 22 episodes. It's like, maybe yeah, cut back they also, a bit, like, went so big with the plot in that show. Yeah, which I, like, I respect it, but, like, you're stretching that money. But, like, you have to with a show like that because it's literally like a comic running every week. It's like, you have to keep raising the stakes. Yep. And they were like, well, we have nowhere else to go. So we'll go backwards and go into a an alternate reality and, like, redo all of the plots we've already done because we've run out of Yeah, content. yeah. <laughs> thousand percent um but yeah i mean we already kind of talked about this but the first episode it just like escalates things so fast when they kill her roommate colleen which questionable how they were both sharing like a one bedroom studio like she was like i'll sleep on the chair uh this no at no point in this show i mean obviously they're telling us that Peggy is, like, really missing Steve. Everybody's really missing Steve. But I'm like, you're hanging out with women all the time, obviously, because the building is women only. But, like, what was her name that worked at the diner? Angie. The There, was, there was chemistry there. Okay? Oh, she definitely had a crush on Haley Alpha. Yeah, maybe it was just one-sided. Peggy, but like, <laughs> she was, like, really upset when she didn't All these women were trying to get with Peggy. Um... Definitely. I mean, she gets kissed by Dottie later. Yeah. Come on. Uh, but yeah, the Colleen stuff like really escalated that first episode and I was like not prepared for it. I mean, I was kind of like hoping that like she really did have TB. So she was like on her way out anyway. Yeah. She didn't sound good. No, she sounded quite bad, actually. That's I, the only solace. But then we have so many deaths after that. I'm like, I can't like, logic my way out of these. Like, they didn't all have TB, you know what I mean? No. No, they didn't. Also, um, it's kind of a meme now to just be like, shout out to Shea Wiggum, because he just shows up in everything. Um, but he was great in this. He's really good. And He's also, it's, it's fun that him and Haley Atwell are in this. It's like a little, I was going to call it a reunion, but that's not right. A, a Mission Impossible 7 pre-union, because, you know, they, they were both in that movie. Who is she in? Years later. Well, Haley Atwell, she's like a main character in Mission Impossible 7. And then Shea Wiggum is working for the IMF. Who is she in Mission Impossible 7? She's like the the new, like, agent slash Like the one we just interest. saw? Yeah. Oh, really? What? That's Haley Atwell? Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know it. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Or I've forgotten it. But uh, so yeah, it was it was really fun to see them together here. Even though Shea Wiggum is playing a real stick in the mud. What do you think about Jarvis? I love Jarvis. I'm a big fan of Jarvis in this. I have a lot of questions about his wife, and if she's real, quote unquote wife, right? Yeah, like. What what was the choice to never show her face on screen, but have him talk about her in literally every single episode? I don't know. Setting up for the future, maybe? It was so sus. 
And I, like, I really thought it was going to be revealed that that was like a backstory and that he's been like a sleeper agent, basically like working for like Stark knows that, but like, that's part of his like cover because it was buck wild that we never see her. It's like, the, the only example I can think of is like in the Big Bang Theory, one what? of the characters' moms is only ever off screen, and you just hear him hear her yelling to him like, "Howie, you gotta get your dinner," and like you only ever hear her voice. Love that. Um, Love the Big Bang Theory comparisons. Can we get more of those on the pod? <laughs> There's another show that I think that's like copying off of that's also similar. It sounds like a classic like sitcom. Like trope. I think it's in Seinfeld, but I can't remember which character it is in Seinfeld. Um, but anyway, it, it felt like that because there was even that one scene where we're like at their house and you hear her and I'm like, why didn't they just show her? Also, I get that it's like maybe supposed to be like a big reveal that she's Jewish but, like, you could still show her. Yeah. You can show Jewish people. <laughs> what? It was just odd. Part of me just thinks that they wanted to, like, give him, like, another dimension to his character. But not, they didn't really feel like taking the time out of any of the episodes to actually show her. It would have taken such little time. Also, it would have been interesting if, like, eight, Peggy had, like, bumped into her and they had, like, an interaction. Some hijinks. Yeah, or just like, oh, this is like kind of awkward because I've been spending so much time with your husband and like she doesn't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. But like I would have liked for her to actually know what's going on. You know what I mean? She's not stupid. Maybe the reveal would just be like that she knew everything the whole time. Just literally showing that she existed. Even a picture would have been fine. Well, what a shame. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really think about it that much. I was keeping it in the back of my mind that it was going to be a big reveal that she didn't exist. That would have been like a really weird thing to do with the plot. But they were like creating this like mystique around Jarvis and like his background and like that he knew more than he was letting on. Like they were like, like throwing out all these seeds for that. Yeah, that's true. Didn't you see that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I guess I was just more curious about, like, Jarvis than Jarvis, his wife. But, but like, it was such an important thing to his character. He brought her up all the time. It's true. It is an interesting choice. I wonder if they do do something with her in season two or not. Probably not. Probably not. Why cast somebody, I guess. Yeah. But they could have just killed her, you know? <laughs> like everybody else. Um, do you have to mention that Jarvis is the only... At the time, when it happened, uh, the only character to make the jump from TV to movies. He has a brief appearance in Avengers Endgame, uh, which I'm sure for for fans of the show, that must have been fun. What do you mean? What about Peggy? The actors for... Well, Peggy was in the movies first. Oh, you mean like... The actor that played Jarvis is in Endgame as Jarvis for like 10 seconds. Gotcha. And he even gets a line. Yes, I remember him being in it. Yeah, and it's fun. Oh, has there not been any other? I guess we're well, probably going to see that Daredevil. That was at first, but now, you know, yeah, you can say, well, Daredevil, you know, he's he hasn't well, not showed Daredevil, up in a movie but yet. Matt Murdock was in shows. Spider-Man. I guess Spider-Man counts. Yeah, but you, not that he was Daredevil, but like he was Daredevil. That character. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or the actor. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so he's one. Yeah. Is there any others? Um, I don't think so. I could be forgetting something, but I don't. I don't think so. I'm just doing like a playthrough of all of the shows. I mean, obviously, like Miss Marvel is going to be in the Marvels, but for me, it's more interesting right. when it comes from like the pre Disney right. Plus ones. Like if we had um, one of the characters from like Luke Cage, like one of those politicians mm-hmm. or something, show up. You know, and everybody, I don't know where the rumor got started, but, like, the rumor mill is really churning out, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters being in Secret Invasion, um, particularly Quake. And even though, um, I cannot remember the actress's name who plays her, but she was, like, she, like again and again, she'd be like, no, like, I... Like, I, I'm not even being, she's like, I'm not being evasive, coy, I'm just telling yeah. you. And everybody's like, but what if? And it's like, okay. And then you watch the show and you're like, no, of course not. That wouldn't have made any sense. The other character that I think would make sense to just show up randomly in one of these episodes, or one of these movies, is um, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Although she might be dead. Is Jerry dead? Well, no, but she has, like, ALS. <laughs> right, right. Retcon the ALS. <laughs> I feel like they might if they, <laughs> if they to want to bring her back. Because, like, that's a great character you shouldn't get rid of. Agreed. And there's, yeah, there's there's so many, but uh, I thought that was cool. And, of course, it was because the movie and the show shared writers that I'm sure they were fond of the character of Jarvis, so they wanted to to bring him into the MCU fold. But I, I, I must imagine that had pissed off, like, every diehard Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. person who was putting a lot of stock in their show being canon. Are there all are a lot of people like that? Oh my God. I don't know if there still are, but like four or five years ago, it was unbearable. <laughs> the subreddit, just every other thread was just like, how do we know if this is canon or not? My, I was always like, does it matter? Anyway. Well, another like, um, morsel. I don't know. A morsel. What a delectable would you call bite. like a, like, like something like that's connected to the movie. I call it a morsel, an Easter egg, perhaps. Tidbit. They mention Roxxon. Yeah. They do mention Roxxon. That's and like Roxxon's the whole factory. Like, Roxxon is a... Who do we know from, from Roxxon well, in the movies? It's Miles even, Morales is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Well, like I Spider-Man think universe. In the... I feel like Roxxon has come up in like the background of stuff. Yeah, it's but like it's thrown not out there. ever been like a thing. So yeah, it was it was fun to have this because like I I think they kind of get used as like a catch all for like bad corporations, <laughs> uh, whether they're like an oil company or you know what have you. There's always some shady shit going on around Roxxon. It would be like mentioning. Um Man, I just forgot the other Spider-Man one. Oscorp. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I think that there was an, a, one of the other, um, like, non-MCU MCU shows, Cloak and Dagger, which was on Hulu, I think. Or maybe it was also on ABC. That had, like, a direct connection to Roxxon, too. Never watched that one. Was that the two people that left Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No. That show never got made. Oh. <laughs> no, this was completely unrelated. And I think uh, it was that show and another one called Runaways. That was like their other little corner of TV for Marvel. I never bothered to get into either of those. Or they're okay. I did spot um, Peggy's carrying around the Vita Ray detector in the second episode when they're trying to find the milk truck that's carrying the, uh, whatever it was called, the bombs, yeah. <laughs> more or less. Um, and it had the name A. Erskine 
on it, which is Stanley Tucci's character from Captain America. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But he's dead. He is dead. But I, I thought that was a fun little, little world-building bit. Um, we get a little bit more of Agent Sousa in yeah. the second one. What do you think of that, um, you know, ship? I liked Sousa. Do we know who she gets married to? Is it Sousa? I feel like it's probably implied that it's Sousa. Like, do they ever say her married name in um, that movie? No, I don't think so. Is that in Winter Soldier that she dies? She dies in Civil War, but we see her, like, in the hospital in in Winter Soldier. I I don't think so. I think they just call her Peggy. Um, No, they never did, because they probably just, like, didn't want to, you know, commit to anything. Yeah. But, um, you know... Whoever it is, I'm just like, poor guy, you know. <laughs> in, in another universe, you got butted out of the way oh, for yeah. Steve. But, he, you know, he's, by the time it happened, he's already dead. We don't need to worry about it. He's good to go. Um, I, I like Sousa. Uh, he's a nice foil to some of the other, you know, guys in the office. Chad Michael Murray looking at you, buddy. Yeah, precisely. Even though he, like, you know. They Maybe try gets, to redeem him. He gets a little bit, you know, he at least like humanized a bit, if not redeemed. Because th- this same episode with Sousa is also where we get the first carrot and the stick thing and he's just like beating people up left and right. Yeah. Which feels very accurate. Um, at first, I thought that Sousa like knew what she was up to and was like kind of helping cover her up, like mm-hmm. with the whole pictures thing, because he kind of... If you haven't seen the show, there's this, she's like doing her own secret agent thing, like on top of the secret agency that she works for, because they're not really following the same um, clues as her. And because she's a woman. Yes. Um, So she's like doing her own thing, but like, it's basically treasonous against her agency. And so there's like these pictures taken of her, like in disguise that Sousa like develops and like, you don't actually see her face. So I thought he just like only got the pictures that were, like, of her. But then much later, he, like, discovers, like, what she's up to, and he's very hurt by it and wants to arrest her, actually gets everyone to arrest her. A personal betrayal. Yeah. It was really sad how upset he was. I mean, they were all a little a little slow on the uptake. I feel like she could have brought him in from the beginning, and he would have helped her. Sure, but she didn't know who to trust. But he's also, like, a rule follower. He is. He's kind goody, of. He's a goody two-shoes. To an extent. Yeah, but he he is. He is. He wants to go He kind of does his own thing, too, though. Yeah. Like, he follows his own leads. We also, in the second episode, they introduce this bit that comes back maybe in the last episode where we have this Captain America radio drama. That is my favorite part of the whole Really show. good bit, right? Yes. Like, I... I Can you explain it? It's very, like, ingenious. Um, so we start, like, hearing it on the radio at the beginning of the episode. And it's like this pastiche of like the Captain America and Peggy Carter, like war stories. But they call her Betty Parker. Betty, yeah, Carver. Like Carver. And yeah, it's just like a radio serial where they're like going on their adventures. And we, we see the people doing the narration and they have like the Foley for like people yeah. getting punched. They have like a meat, like a meat tenderizer. That they're like hitting a steak. They have, with like a and, piece of paper. That's like static, mm-hmm, like bones breaking. They like, and it's so great. And they, it's just like a little bits in every episode. Yeah. And they, in this episode specifically, there's a scene like they introduce it early on and then Peggy gets in the fight with this dude in his house and it like intercuts between the fight and the radio yeah. drama and it's like playing all the the sound effects. Really good. It was just like, it was so fun. And then, you know, it's actually like playing on the radio while they're having this fight. And I was like, this is so clever. 
Like, I, I think it's, like... And very realistic, I feel like. Yeah. I think it's just, like, touches like that that, like, make this show more special than it, like, could have been. But only just, like, kind of, like, soulless spinoff for the sake of a spinoff. It's, like, they put effort into, like, you know, placing this in the 40s and, like, about how, like, what that would mean and how to have fun with it. And I, I, I love that. Um, it reminded me of Annie. They do a radio drama. In yeah. Annie. I mean, when did Annie take place? That the 30s. Right. Yeah, 30s. So close enough. Uh, this also, the second episode also had the line where, uh, is it Angie? It's just like, that's Sarah. She's a slut. <laughs> Which every now and then. I think she her would, name is Angie. I, yeah, it is Angie. Um, I just thought that was really funny. She was like the one delivering the funniest lines throughout the whole show. She's great. She was a good um, foil too. She was also uh, played by the same actress that played Katie Duma in Kick-Ass and for five seconds in Kick-Ass 2. Definitely has a lot more to do here, even though she's still, you know, mostly a side character. Still a love interest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to Peggy. Um, so as we move forward in the episodes, we get more bonding with Jarvis, but then we find out this whole like treason thing that we were talking about earlier that he like, you know, went against his commander, blah, 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 didn't disclose to Peggy any of this. So she's like really upset. Um, is this also where we get Steve's blood business? Uh, not yet. The, the notes that I have for this episode. So yeah, bear with us. We have like pretty basic notes for each episode. Um, this is also when she sacrifices her own self-image to save Jarvis. Yep. Got that one because Chad Michael Murray is trying to, you know, he's threatening Jarvis with being deported. They also are lying to him. It's entrapment. They said that the police report he filed doesn't exist, but they have it. So she basically, like, yeah, calls them out on it. The SSR does not abide but by But she makes it look like she just made, like, a stupid laws. mistake. Yeah. Like, I'm just a dumb girl. Oh, is- did you want this... Uh, evidence. Sad that she has to do I that. I know, and they're so mad at her. Yeah, Shea Wiggum was not happy. Neither was Chad Michael Murray, but he's a bitch anyway. Um, this is... The, I had noted that this was my favorite episode of the show so far. I liked the first two episodes, but I think the third one, like, drew me into the plot Episode the five's a field trip, though. Episode five is fun. But uh, this one had, you know, this is when Ray, one of the SSR agents, gets killed. Along I do with think the this is a really good episode. That they picked up from the boat for, like, questioning. Um, and also uh, Molly got kicked out of the <laughs> apartment because <laughs> Miss Fry doesn't fuck around with mysterious I know, that was men. also, like, a funny subplot. Yeah, what's Miss Fry's deal? She is a woman of modesty. Chastity or death. That's her motto. At, at this point, also, when we were watching this on Disney+, Plus, it decided to start showing us the full intro. <laughs> the first two episodes didn't show it. And then we started watching the throw, and it's like, my name is Peggy Cott. I work for this. What is it? The, I don't even know what SSR stands for. Oh, Strategic Scientific Reserve. Um, Research. Very network show intro vibes. <laughs> Well, and for a show where it's like we're trying to get people to like not feel like they're too far behind. Yeah. Also, at this point in the show, my last note there was I don't know how this show or this season, at least, doesn't end with Shea Wiggum personally killing Howard Stark because 
like this really was at the point where he is him. like on the war path after Ray gets killed. Wow. And he has to call his wife. And the other guy has to call his girlfriend. That was really <laughs> funny, really funny Ted Michael Murray. I miss him. Like, what's he been up to, you know? I think he's on like um the kind of shows that you would expect Chad Michael Murray to be doing. Let's be honest. It's not like he hasn't been working, but I, I also think this is like maybe one of the last times we would have seen him in like a non cheesy romance thing. I don't know what you mean by cheesy. Like Hallmark or like the Netflix shows. He has that been in some some Christmas movies. I knew it. Toying with the holidays. Angel Falls Christmas. Survive the game with um, what is that? Bruce Willis. He's been oh, in some, he's in a Bruce Willis direct video. He's been in a couple, a couple. Oh, Chad. Like Chad, Chad, Chad. He's in this whole Fortress series. He was in a Ted Bundy biopic. Three point eight stars. How many Ted Bundy movies did they make? Weren't there like three? One of them that was, was in twenty twenty one. Sand Dollar Cove. Colors of Love, Too Close for Christmas. <laughs> He's either in a Hallmark movie or a um, Bruce Willis movie. That's it. I mean, there's worse hustles, but damn. He was in eight episodes of Riverdale. Was he really? <laughs> I mean, he was somehow reprising his One Tree Hill character. No. Edgar Ever Never. Old Eddie Ever Never. He was in a Medea Christmas. God damn, what is with this guy in Christmas movies? No, he did not reprise Lucas Scott, unfortunately. Regrettable. I was always on Team Nathan. Sorry, not sorry. He's also in a TV show on... What is this? CTV original... Sullivan's Crossing. Oh, with Luke from Gilmore Girls Reunion. What the fuck is... This is, is an important divergence. Is that, ca- is that Canadian? I think it must be CTV. I think that's like Canadian, like... Oh, yeah. Public broadcasting. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Chad. That was... That's a worthwhile diversion because, you know... He was, avail- not, he was available for season three. <laughs> Oh, so sad for him. Uh, at this point in the show, we both felt like we skipped an episode because Howard Stark suddenly appears back in New York City and we are like, moving on. And we're like, wait, what? Was that in episode four? Yeah. Like, okay. Because really, I we, skipped over episode four and went to the field trip. We hop right to it. I think most of the uh, the note. Oh, yeah. So there's a, a great bit in this episode for no reason that was like talking about like, the apartment building, you know, all the ladies eat their meals together downstairs for some reason. <laughs> like, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of operation they're running over here. I think it's a weekly, like, group dinner. Oh, okay. Well, at the group dinner, everyone steals food yes. for themselves. And somebody has a gravy pocket in her purse. Um, and they spent, like, a couple minutes on this. And I was just like, this, this subplot 
everyone that lives in that building is insane. Well, it wasn't for no reason. I think it was like getting us to like remember who Dottie was. Because it's her mm. talking to the other girl being like, oh, can you make me that? Okay. Well, at the time, everyone is stealing food. Oh. And they all have the most convoluted methods yes. of... <laughs> and I mean, it is comic relief, but I do think like the ulterior motive is like more dotty stuff. So we like know who she is. Yeah. She's ingratiating herself into the, the ladies. Which I do want to say that I thought she was sus when we first met her. And then I forgot about her. But when they introduced her in the hallway, I'm like, hmm, is she also an agent? Mm-hmm. But I wasn't they, thinking, like, a bad guy. I was thinking, like, a, another SSR agent yeah, or something. Yeah, because they, they go out of their way to introduce her in a suspicious way. Um, so then we go to Russia. Oh, I have a few more notes on, oh my gosh. on episode four. Because there was some stuff that happened in this that I wanted to talk about. Um, let me pull up. Because I, I need a, a bit more information on some of my notes because I can't remember exactly what I was talking about. Um, so season four, we have, you know, uh, Shay Wiggum's character. Four. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, Shay Wiggum goes to a German prison to visit the Nazi colonel and is trying to, like, get information on the Battle of Finau. Um, Susa is trying and failing Mostly also, failing to get a lot of good intrigue about Finale. They did a really good job of yeah. rolling that mystery out. Agreed. It was very mysterious, and they tied it in really well with the Leviathan agents. Um, yeah, there was a bit here where you know they're bringing out the uh, the food for the witness that they have pulled in from the docks, and he's just like not talking. And even though um, Chad Michael Murray is being a dick about it, you know he's like. I got this food for you if you want it. And that really reminded me of this episode of Justified where there's like a, basically like a one person hostage situation. And the, the only way out of it is to give the hostage taker some um, spicy fried chicken and bourbon. And it's just like, that's because he knew he was like going to jail. That's all he wanted. And like all this, this witness, like Seuss is trying to appeal to like his sense of humanity. And Chad Michael Murray was like, not everyone like wanted a, a hug when they came back from the war. Like, he, yeah. he, has, he has his vices. And, like, you know... Also, Chad not, didn't want a hug, as we find out in the next episode. Yeah, 1,000%. Um, this is also where we are introduced to Steve Rogers' blood is in this episode. And where we find out about Dottie. I don't uh, think we find out about Dottie in this episode. I have a note that says, excuse me, rival assassin, Dottie is involved. Uh, let me see what I can. Yeah. So in this episode, this is when um, Otto Mink, the smuggler, breaks into Peggy's apartment complex because he wants to kill her for fucking up the whole like deal with smuggling Howard Stark back into the country. And then Dottie sees his, like, insane minigun pistol. And is like, is that automatic? I want it. And then kills him. And I didn't it. know that was this episode. That's how it ended. Oh, okay. So that's... It was tying in the food thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, Stan Lee is here. He makes his cameo. Oh, his right. Episode, the nice. shoe shining. But yeah, so, yeah, then we go to episode five. On to Russia. Um... Yeah, so we get to meet up with the the old gang, which was great, and some new characters that they then killed. Swiftly. 
Um, yeah, a lot of like, this was another episode where I was like, I cannot believe that they're killing all of these people. Um, and this is also when they're trying to redeem Chad Michael Murray and he's Mm. talking about like killing these Japanese soldiers that were like, well, we don't find out till later actually that they were coming to surrender. I did think it was like good, but I was like, I don't feel like he's earned this redemption yet. Um, and I guess he does by the end. Well, I don't even think of it in this episode as like redemption. It's not redemption. It's just like explaining like, yeah, but it's also like why this guy is the way that he is. It makes it less of a thin character. It's just like, oh, he's a dick. That's redemption, babe. Well, no, I don't like for the audience. They're redeeming him for us. Sure. I just don't. Well, it's not fully yet. You know, they're yeah. giving you a reason, but like it, he's still an asshole. Like he's still he's still been an asshole. It's like now we just know what he's like played with some guilt, but he's still doing what he does. So it's like they do the he, same thing with Nathan in One Tree Hill. Of course. His save brother, for, save for One brother. Tree Pod, our sister series. I would love to. I have like very few <laughs> notes on this episode, actually. Um. Well, all of the Dottie slash like Russian pr- young girl thing is really spooky. It's it's Red Room. Yeah, which they could have tied in better. It's honestly. literally just the Red Room. <laughs> um, which is good. I thought. Yeah. It was really spooky though. It was, and I also thought what's his the name was girl. just gonna get killed, Marked. but you know the. The, uh, the vest. new vest, you know, took the brunt of the knife. Thank God. Um, yeah, I, I'm scared of attack children. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, I have this note at the end of my notes, but like there are a lot of episodes that reminds me of the Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the Americans is even darker. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no competition. But like this is dark, but like dark. the Americans gets into like the real nitty gritty. The whole like having your arm chained up and then like she still does it as an adult that was just like so unsettling yeah that was it's very spooky um and in the next episode that was like another american's tie-in is like when um she's like found out peggy's found out and so she's like then on the run and she has to like go back to get steve's blood and it reminds me of the americans her being like trying to evade there's trouble at the office yeah Always anxiety-inducing. And I felt really bad for Sousa, as I already mentioned. Yeah. He's just, you know, he wants to do the right... He wants to be by the book. And I think, you know, he's he's between a rock and a hard place. Because if, he, if he's not 100% confident in what Peggy's doing, then is he, you know, he's going to sacrifice his entire life on, like, her hunch. Right. And he hasn't even been, like, privy to all of the information that she She hasn't have. trusted him. Why should he trust her? Right, exactly. Um... We also, like, get more of um, Chad Michael Murray, like, starting to, like, trust her, too, or, like, respect her. And then, like, that's also such a blow because he's, like, kind of an olive branch to her. And, like, he should be doing that anyway. Like, he's kind of part of the reason why she has to be secretive in the first place. But right, um, it really starts to pick up pace here. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we finished episode six and... I think it was like it was getting late or something. I was like, well, we can't we can't do this until we can watch the last two episodes back to back. And then we get like a really great like villain kind of that's behind the scenes of all of this, which I thought he was still answering to somebody else. But the doctor. Yeah. And the hypnosis. 
thought that was really interesting and also like really stupid of them not to like think that maybe he was a secret agent. Right. I mean, concerning, but I guess it's like the era I saw on the Wikipedia page, the writers of the show were talking about like how the intelligence communities at the time were like reacting at the end of World War II and you had things like Operation Paperclip where like Nazi scientists were being brought to right. other governments because like, we were they were still of value. So it was like, you know, this wasn't, you know, exactly the same, but it's like you, you're putting a lot of trust in them because like the war's over and now we can collaborate. But they had their own intentions. Um, I also I had a couple of notes on episode six. Yeah. Also. Uh, this is where uh, Dottie kills that dentist. Oh, yeah. That, and that was, was, you know. I mean, he's the only one that I was a, like happy that died. He's a fucking skis. But yeah, he got, you know, dental drilled. Uh, She's an anti-dentite. <laughs> hardcore. Um, we have uh, Chad Michael Murray saying that his grandmother's name is Gam Gam. That was a great <laughs> line. Um Leviathan has questionable recruiting tactics by pressing people into service by killing them in their entire family if they don't agree to join. We Maybe call that voluntold. That's a light way of putting it. Yeah, I, was, I was voluntold to join Leviathan. What does that mean? Um, and also, my, my only other comment, which is this is something that I had also noticed before in the show, and I did look it up, and I think it was real for a while. The diner that Angie works at, I was so intrigued by the setup, they have all these little lockers and, mm-hmm. all, you know, they have like slices of cake and they have pre-made sandwiches that are in these little lockers. You put in 25 cents and it opens the locker. Um, that was a real thing in an automat. It's basically coming back and people are freaking out that like, oh, why can't things go back to the way that they were? Well, this is the way it was. Yeah. And maybe this is the way it should be. You know, it's like, I feel like it's a less um, showy version of a sushi conveyor belt restaurant the the food is pretty made yeah. you pick what you want i see no problems with that but i i was also just a bit confused about the the system there because i think a lot of those places that actually did exist they had the vending machines and no staff this one had the vending machines and also a full counter where angie was working it's basically a pret a manger fuck pret a manger i'm just saying. i don't want to talk about pret a manger just saying what it is. Well, maybe I maybe I feel differently about automats now. Okay, this episode seven takes a turn. It sure does. An unexpected turn. Yeah, we get some backstory on our on our not so good doctor. Um, kind the of not so good he, doctor. But he used to use his hypnosis powers for good, kind of. Because we, we see this guy who's, you know, very unpleasantly getting his legs sawed off in a battlefield encampment, and he's helping him, oh. you know, not focus on that. That was pretty yeah. rough, too. Yeah, that was, the sound of that was gnarly. I was like, we don't need this. <laughs> Truly do not. At all. Um, yeah, so it, this episode ends with Dooley having a bomb strapped to him that they can't get off, and uh, he jumps out a window and explodes. Yeah. And it's Howard Stark's fault. Yep. It's fucked up. I was like, are they really not going to be able to find a way to get this vest off? That, yeah, that was really, really gnarly. That felt like what, well, again, making another Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comparison. What this show got us to, like, brought 
Dooley's character around to this point by the penultimate episode of the show. This is how, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would, you know, tease for an entire season the death of one of the main characters. It would end up being, like, some sacrifice like this. But, uh, yeah, it was like, oh, they're, yeah, this is not going to happen. It was rough because, you know, he's, like, sweating his ass off the whole time, too, because it gets, like, super hot. And, of course, this is the one episode where we, like, see his family again before he gets right. blown to pieces. He's and he's like, like, maybe I'll reconcile with my wife and, like, start to, like, consider other people again. And then, nope. It's dark. It's brutal. Uh, but we do, on a lighter note, get the great scene where Jarvis walks into the quote-unquote telephone company and is like, I'd like to see Chief Dooley. Yeah. And they're like, what? And he has to just repeat himself like eight times before they're finally like, okay. And of course, like, you know, the, the lead um, phone operator has a gun strapped to the bottom of the desk because right. of course she does. She's ready. I can't remember who said this line. Uh, have you ever been hanged before? It is not pleasant. She says it. Peggy says it. Oh, about the about the treason. Yes. And uh, so, not only does we we actually don't end this episode with Dooley jumping out the window and exploding. He jumps out the window, explodes, and then Dottie and the doctor kill an entire movie theater's worth of people. Oh yeah. With the uh, with the baby carriage. With the gas that makes you <laughs> fight each other to the death. And you had a good note about that. Um, which I don't know if you actually wrote down, but you were like, how are they all dead? Oh, yeah. Like, someone has to be survived. Like, Last man standing. Yeah. Although maybe their wounds were just so bad that they succumbed to them. I thought maybe it would have been like, a, you know, when they open the door to the theater, like, one person, like, runs out and they get shot or something. Although they do kind of explain it in the next episode. They're like, normally you asphyxiate anyway. Because, oh, yeah, yeah. like, Sousa almost does. Yeah, come on, Sousa. That was not... Okay, but he found it. He did find it. He didn't... He did it by accident. He didn't yeah. like, turn the valve. No, it just, like, sprayed on him because okay. it was already, like, open. Yeah. So, I, I guess I was Be thinking nice about it more of, like, a, a dumb guy in a horror movie trope that just, like, very clearly puts himself in danger out of curiosity. But no, not that. Seuss is smarter than that. And the final episode really uh, brings things full circle. Because at this point, you know, we hadn't seen any of the Leviathan dudes with the tracheotomy-looking throats for a while, because they all got killed. Um, but this reminds us, you know, what happened at the Battle of Finau and how all of it played together to the current day, and I just thought they did a really good job of it. Um, yeah, I thought that it all came together really like smoothly. Um, and then, you know, ending with like the, the airplane thing, I thought was like a really cool, um, full circle moment with Steve and her being on the radio with Steve and then doing it with Howard and like, um, you know, she and radios like that has got to be a trigger. Oh, 1000%. She's like, do I really have to be the one to do this? (laughs) I also thought this was an interesting, um, observation is that he, we only see the doctor being able to hypnotize men. Interesting. But we never... I, he never, like, he never tries. tries with women. But I feel like I'm taking that implication to mean that men are easier to hypnotize than women. 
I would have liked to have seen her, him try to do it to her and her not being like falling for it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would have been curious to see if that, if that was true or if they just, he just never had a reason to hypnotize any women. Because they don't have any power. Yeah. He wasn't around any women. Um, well he was around her a lot. Yeah. But you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't suspect her. She's a woman. Yeah. Um, and like he doesn't need to like hypnotize Dottie. Yeah. She's already brainwashed. Yeah, she's good to go. Unfortunately. <laughs> um yeah, I I uh I liked the bit where they have the decoy sniper set up in the building across the way and then they grab Howard off the street instead. I thought that was very sneaky. That was like a very reminiscent of like the Joker in the Dark Knight, like setting up the fake sniper's nest. I just thought that was really fun. Um, my, my notes are so shitty at the end of this episode. I don't even know what I was talking about. Um, Dottie, uh, you know, I thought was dead. Obviously nope. not dead. Cause I was like, nah, she, she can't go down that easily. Like Peggy threw her out of like a glass window, but she only fell like 20 feet. Yeah. She's fine. Dottie's like fucking invincible. She was trained for this. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, my notes really, really went downhill here, unfortunately. I wish I had some more interesting stuff to say about this. The only other thing, like, to wrap up with everything is that, um, I thought there was, my downside to the show, I thought almost everything was rolled out really nicely. Is like, there's just too much emphasis on Steve Rogers' blood, and it's not even a plot point, really, by the end. Like, it doesn't matter. They don't use it. She, like, dumps it into the water, a la Titanic and the diamond at the end. Yeah. Um, I was just like, one, they don't even know how to use it and two like it doesn't matter so like why is this like the crux of the whole show like it's like the emotional crux of the show i should say yeah and i guess it's just like we got to keep steve in the mix so like people know that this is connected <laughs> it kind of does feel like that and it also maybe for me it's like they wanted to give peggy like some sort of emotional investment that they couldn't meaningfully create with any of these characters in the time that they had like, obviously, we had, like, Dooley dying and some of the other agents, like, at risk. But, like, you know, Peggy didn't have, like, a close enough, like, personal connection with any of these people. Like, even Howard to uh, to kind of bring that in. Like, why but are you we, risking your life? Right. But, we, you know, we, we've seen and we've, we've bought into Peggy and Steve's thing. So uh, having that around, even though I agree, um, a little flimsy, but... It, it, it was kind of worth having the scene where she, like, pours his blood into the river, and that's, like, a, you know. I thought it I, was corny. It was corny, but I, I still liked it. It's like she she gets some sort of closure, you know. Yeah, her getting closure is good, but I just, and maybe it's also because we've had so many different iterations of, like, super serum, blood stuff, like, everything now has that. Including, like, this most recent show with Super um, Invasion or whatever it's called. Secret Invasion. I was like, are we doing this again? Right. <laughs> like, it was already, like, beaten to death. And then, like, She-Hulk totally lampooned it. And then they did it again seriously. But this was obviously... Not this was before, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they had already done it a billion times in other movies before. But, yeah, maybe not, not quite as played out. But I agree. 
Um, but you know, at the end, we get a little, we get a little teaser with another returning character from the Captain America mythos, Zola. Oh right. Arnim Zola's there. I feel like that's not going to come back though. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine he is. But uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was fun anyway. Um, yeah, I liked that connection because he's in like everything. Yeah. He's the through line of uh, the MCU. Zola is the the cockroach of the MCU. You can't kill him. He there was is. another character who I said was... Well, I think it was Daredevil. I was like, he's like the glue of the MCU. Yeah. We don't just, even know it. Just coming in and out anywhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's all the notes that I have. Um, yeah. Not to repeat myself on anything, but... Uh, oh, I did want to... Uh, one, one little gadget I really enjoyed is the weird Leviathan... Uh, the typewriter. Tele- yeah, thing. that was really cool technology. It was like a a razor and a can of talcum powder that they would put on like with a little antenna. I just thought that was fun. It was also like an appropriate way to show like a higher level piece of technology, but within the time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't want it to like. We'd already seen some of the crazy like hydro technology in Captain America, but that would have felt like really out of place here. And this is more just like a more scrappy underground band of rogue agents doing their thing, which is a a thing that I love in my films and shows. So, yeah, I think this was, um, were we uh, pleasantly surprised by this show? Oh, definitely. I mean, I've heard that the first season was really good from like the few people that had watched it. yeah. Me too, but I, I still think it transcended what I expected from it. Yeah, it was better than I thought. Because I, I, to make my final Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comparison of the episode, I, I did grow to love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it started off really rough, and the the writing was cheesy, and the acting was corny, <laughs> um, and I, I think it helped that this show, you know, at least for, like, for Peggy and for Julie... You know, Chad Michael Murray, too. They had some more, like, seasoned actors that were, like, very easily believable as their characters. Like, from the jump. We didn't really have to grow into it or, like, you know, get used to their choices. Yeah, it was just they knew what they wanted to do and they they got right to it and they cut all the bullshit. I guess I thought that I don't even I don't think I knew that this was an eight episode show um, before we started watching it. Yeah, I knew it wasn't a full season, but I also thought, like, maybe they had done, like, a 13 episode, like, a half. Yeah, like, a half season order. Yeah. I guess I was just, like, there was probably part of me that was a bit worried that it was just going to have, like, a bunch of, like, like the 22 network episodes. TV, like, shittiness. But it didn't. No, eight episodes is great. Yeah. I think the second season had ten. I so think. So I didn't get renewed. Ten or less is a perfect amount for TV. Agreed. Depending on the show, I could be convinced to go up to 12. Like, and or. But, you know, we don't we don't need a... Ten is fine. Yeah, agreed. So, uh, Marvel, if you're listening, uh, please take some notes, hire some better writers for your shows, and give them uh, ten episodes if you want. Or actually, just let them do as many episodes as they want. No more than ten. Yeah, but maybe not nine, because that's just an unsatisfying number. Okay, too many notes. They could use them, okay? That's usually the problem. <laughs> That's true. 
Um, Whoever studio interference, this is podcast interference. We will eventually watch season two and be disappointed. So if you want to catch up on season one before then, if you didn't watch it. Willing to bet that you're going to have a fair amount of time. <laughs> but at the, uh, at the juncture that we are recording this episode right now, the writer's strike could potentially be over soon. So maybe, uh, you know, the gears of Hollywood will resume moving. So we'll have more stuff to talk about soon. And until mm-hmm. then, we, we are... are. Out, Out of, of the, the Superverse. Super